Alright guys, welcome to the Triple Grip Podcast, and in today's episode we got a, we got a guest from Endgame Gear. Uh, Johnny R is joining us today. He was he was a guest for us about maybe two months ago when we were talking about XM1R and some other stuff. But in today's episode we're gonna go slightly with a different route. Uh, so I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about you guys, you know, posting posting me some uh, community questions. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to go through these questions that you guys posted on uh, Reddit, Mouse Review, and also you made some on my Twitter, uh, tweeted some at me. So we're going to go through those. But first of all, uh, of course, we got the so- we got Sogol as well. Sadly, NVC is going to miss this episode. There is some, in- he has some internet issues. So, so yeah, he's not going to be on. And then we got uh, Johnny R as guest. So how has it been for you in the past? past month or so johnny yeah has been fine um we're working on new stuff obviously um but corona is still uh, a thing in germany so less people in the office more working from home so a lot of the processes and um yeah everything is just slower so that's a bit annoying but it is how it is i think we're not the only company facing these issues so yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about you, Sogol? What have you been reviewing in the past uh, past month? Only, only excellent products from <laughs> from Take and Madcat. <laughs> they have must have products. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, the really good stuff. Yeah. What was the first brand you said? Thermal Take. Thermal Take. Yeah. They have excellent mice. products. Um, <laughs> Okay, I wasn't even aware that they had. They had <laughs> I wasn't either. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, had, they had the Thermal Tech, wasn't the M10 mouse back in the day? That was, I think, the first mouse that had a honeycomb pattern inside, but only a very small one. Was it called M10? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there has been this this I don't know gaming brand uh, TTE Sports. They had oh, yeah. a couple actually decent mice. And I don't know. Apparently, TTE Sports is no longer uh, existing. I don't know. And now it's just Bumble Tank. Yeah, not sure. I mean, they had another mouse um, released. I don't know, like two years ago, and the firmware was so bad that my uh, predecessor, Attack Power Up refused to review it because it just uh, it just didn't work on on any level like it was impossible Uh, (laughs) that is i mean that that you have to manage uh i mean of course you can run into problems during development but usually if the product is at this stage it shouldn't even be working at their on their end so that's a bit weird but not something i would usually expect to happen yeah, I mean they—they they at least uh, the ones I reviewed work, but uh, definitely not the best products I've reviewed so far. What was the main? Was the shape the main issue, or was it just technological everything, and not sound? Everything. <laughs> everything is the main issue. Yeah, I mean, we talked about a little bit about. I mean, before we started recording, we I mentioned to Johnny that it seems that it's uh, a, li- a little bit easy to make money with mice these, these days. There are a lot of new companies that are using these OEM shells, and uh, it's it's pretty hard to screw up a mouse in terms of like sensor and uh, technology, I guess. Uh, but 
do, do you think that's a fact, jo- uh, Jonas? Or so is it is it hard to screw up a mouse in terms of tech at the moment? Well, uh, I think it depends what kind of level you want to reach. If you say, okay, you want to be 90% there, I think there's uh, a lot of firmwares or companies out there that can make a mouse that's probably good enough for most of the tests, you know, that people would be doing with it. However, you know, if you get, go into the details like latency, or click speed, let's, and um, probably also tracking performance and like all these very small details where you really need to have the firmware uh, very much in sync with what is happening, actually, um, I think that this is a bit harder to do. Um, and also for these OEM shells, I think that sometimes the build quality is not really that controlled. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of them that were really better than the original, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and you have to see, like, the, the OEM companies that make these shells, they don't go, go there and say, "Hmm, I like the, I don't know, Intelli Mouse Explorer 3.0 so much." I make a copy, but I'm actually making it better. I think the approach mostly is I want it to look like an IntelliMouse Explorer 3.0, but I want to make it cheaper. So <laughs> um, this usually uh, ends up with some stuff. Uh, you, you can always kind of tell like from the setup, they have like um, some of the, usually what these OEM mice have, they have always these Chinese common, um, Chinese MCUs inside. They have like a, uh, there are some MCUs that basically, where the MCU manufacturer, they also give you a basic firmware that actually works okay. And in the manual, is the MCU works like this. It says in the manual even, okay, here you connected two buttons, you connected this. And as long as you don't want any fancy features, um, that works. But as I said, it probably won't get better because these companies won't really reprogram you a lot of stuff. And also you can kind of tell uh, it's, one of these products when the softwares tend to look very similar or it's just a skinned version of the same software. I think you've probably seen it in the market before that a mouse of one manufacturer would work with another manufacturer's software. Yeah. Um, so that kind of is a tell that it's very much OEM. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. All right, all right. But I guess, I mean, we got a lot of questions, so I guess we could start start going through these. So, yeah, first off, thank you guys for, for asking, uh, being active I, and asking I, these questions. Yeah, I think I just want, because I didn't answer your question, if you can make good money with this. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, to, to answer this, I think, yes, of course, you can make good money with it. Um, you basically save all the time of development, like creating a shape and everything, um, the salaries, the materials, office space, everything, travel. And also, um, your risk is kind of limited if you take pre-orders. Um, it, it, it's rather an easy thing to do. So, yeah, I think I see it. I think it's okay in one way where, you know, um, I understand that, you know, people want to enter this market and everything, but uh, it's not really something where I see that there's a lot of um, money or time invested by them. So, every making your own shape is considerably harder and all this OEM stuff. Um, there will always be someone selling it cheaper. So it, it, it's not like this exclusive stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just quickly. I had a, I had a, like a, one guy, I, I was talking about this, like, a, I, I don't know what, I guess like month, a month ago when I 
basically had a had two easy two copies on my desk waiting for review. One FK copy waiting for review and one S2 clone. Uh, actually, two S2 clones. So we S2 clones waiting for review. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I kind of tweeted that uh, that I'm getting bored or <laughs> bored of this, and I would like like to see like to see these mice either go a little bit sold for cheaper or just you know try try doing their you know own thing designing designing their own shapes maybe or something but yeah i would i would like to see like these some of these oem products that are sold for a premium to go maybe a little bit cheaper yeah i think the yeah they of course they charge a lot of money as long as people are paying it they're probably charging it um i i think why you always see the same shapes or similar shapes to the ones in the market is because the factories that actually create these toolings they want to have less risk because yeah. if you create a shape and you know the first two reviewers say oh man the, the, this shape is complete garbage um <laughs> then probably no one wants to buy the product anyway, so they can basically trash the tooling. But if they know, okay, this model is already selling in the market, um, then they just make a, let's say, 95% copy, put in some generic internals and sell it. I mean, we've basically seen it for every mouse. Now there are also copies of, I mean, probably, I think I've seen one for Razer Viper that looked eerily similar. Um, uh, Intelli Explorer 3.0, uh, Zoe Mice, as you said, tons of them. Um, I think now there's also a lot of um, Logitech clones coming out. Yeah, not too sure what to make of it, but yeah, it's, they will never really reach the performance of the original in most cases. Um, probably for some of the original, let, let's take Zoe as an example, that's probably a bit different there, that they didn't really update their internals for ages to a, I would say, state-of-the-art kind of hardware base. So probably the clones of those can be comparatively good or better than the original because the original is just super old tech. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's not sure what BenQ is doing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, as you said, it's easier. Uh, I mean, not everybody can design their own shape, so it's kind of understandable that the first product that you're coming out with is probably not your own design, as it it is a massive risk to do that. If you, especially if you don't have any experience. I mean, I would, I would, assume, I, I would never <laughs> say that I can design a mouse. I've tested like I don't know how many mice, but I can, I can, I could maybe design a mouse that would be good for me, but. I would have no clue if it would be good or similar to my hands as a Mac grip style, but I would, I can't do, I would, I wouldn't be able to do one that fits larger hands or smaller yeah. hands. And, yeah, yeah I, I think the biggest problem is always like if you design any shape and you give it to ten people, you will never have a shape where ten people say, "Man, this is the greatest shape I've ever touched." Right? So yeah. it doesn't matter which group you give it to. If it's, if even if it's a good mouse, you probably get like five, six people that say, "Hey, it's pretty good." Two people really like it, and two people. Uh, really hate it or something um but yeah this is i think the hardest to kind of um yeah see it from a customer perspective you know uh it's like endgame gear as a brand it's not like a design brand where we say the mouse needs to look super cool and super fancy and everything um it's more that uh we try when i made the shape it was about the shape and not like okay can we kind of make this look more edgy in the front or something like that it's um 
yeah, the grip was the most important thing there. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. All right, then I guess I guess we could go start uh, start going through these questions. So, I'll I'll take the first one. Uh, let me open it up. So yeah, username Belwin one has asked, how hard is it to ignore personal bias when designing a mouse that needs to appeal to the mass market? I think that's right. The best question is the first one. I think that's the hardest part because you have to always realize, you know, making a mouse for yourself is in most cases great, but probably not for everyone. Um, I think that uh, the if you look at the mouse market as a whole, um, the ones that sell the best are rather the safer shapes. Um, take G Pro Wireless as an example. Uh, it's a very generic shape in a sense where it doesn't have a lot of weird bulging outs and everything. It's rather flat and similar to also Zoe FK mice and everything where it's kind of like a bit more generic. Then it's, this usually works a bit better. Um, I think ergonomic uh, is a bit more about hand size uh, as well. Like ergonomic in my mind is hard to do because it gets quite large in the hand sometimes and for me and it's because they are about personal bias um i'm not a huge fan of ergonomic mice so designing an ergonomic mouse um is a very big challenge if you do that because if you design a product and you don't really like the shape yourself you know how do you know it's good and this i think is the the hardest part there um it, it, you kind of get an idea if you know what is selling, you look at them and you kind of try to identify, okay, why is this product selling? Is it because of the size, is the curvature, um, button height, I don't know, infinity scroll wheel, because it's wireless, because it's cheap. There's always a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of things that come into play, but yeah, in general, personal bias, you can always build the best mouse for yourself, of course, <laughs> but uh, to build a mouse for everyone, um, uh, it's a bit tricky. I, if, if XM1 was only for me, uh, I probably would have done some things a tiny bit different. Um, but yeah, it's not. <laughs> By the way, what do you think about uh, the RJN mouse, XROFI MZ1? Because that one is, I think, quite clearly um, a mouse he designed mostly with himself in mind. Yeah. And, um yeah <laughs> i i haven't held it in my hands i mean of course I, what i like about it it's it's a new shape you know um i think uh it's a bit risky it seems very specific uh in a sense that uh it probably only allows a very very specific style of grip um but i haven't held it in my hands so i can't really say uh how it is uh yeah, it's it's very hard. It seems a bit, uh, yeah, it seems a, a bit different in, in a sense. So probably not the shape I would make. I would say, uh, but doesn't mean it's good or bad in a sense. Um, need to see it in reality. Like on the picture, you know, it doesn't really show you. Okay, this is how the shape feels in hand. Um, yeah, not even sure when it's coming out. I think it was May, right? Yeah, I think it should have come out original by originally or, or should be around the corner, but I'm not sure whether yeah. it'll actually uh, release yeah. in time. Yeah, I think, as I said, every shape is good for the market or every new shape. Um, 
So it will be interesting how the reception is. Um, what I think is, I, I think what, what a bit of a downfall of it is that people have very high expectations and yeah, the higher yeah, people's expectations yeah. are, the harder it is to meet them. So um, I, you know, I always said like when for XM1, like, okay, it's, it's probably the mouse is not for everyone, right? That's just the, the reality of it. Like not everyone likes the same shape. You cannot come with one shape and say, yeah, here it's the best mouse, right? Um, I Let's see how the Rocket Jump Ninja shape does, but I, I feel it's very specific. So might not be for everyone, but let's see. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I mean excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Um, because, um, I mean, we've already talked about this in the clone mouse episode, because I'm not sure. I mean, there aren't, uh, in general, uh, if you want to do it in a, in a non-moronic way, there aren't that many possibilities to come up with new shapes. Uh, I mean, hump placement, you, you can't put the, the hump right in the front, or you can't make like the middle twice the width of, of the back or something like that. So you can't go completely crazy. And basically, whenever you do something like, I don't know, hump more towards the back, people will say, oh, yeah, it's an S2 clone. And when it's really low profile, oh, yeah, it's an FK clone. Um, yeah. So basically, whatever you do, um, inevitably, uh, you do an Ergo mouse, it's it's def at a clone or EC clone. Um, um, it, it's always a clone, no matter what you do. Um, so it's uh, sort of hard to not navigate between yeah. cloning and coming up with something completely original. I mean, even the, the RJN mouse is probably closest to uh, Razer Abyssus, but yeah. it's different in more than just one way. So you, you could say it's something uh, new, but yeah, yeah, it's sort of difficult. To yeah, it's difficult. I, I mean, when I talk about clones, it's like these where the shape is exactly the same, more or less. I mean, they maybe change the front flare of the buttons only, so the shape in the back is exactly the same. Um, I would, I, I think it's, it's fair to say, you know, like some shapes are similar, but they are not clones in a sense, right? Like the people probably did not start with, uh, I mean, this way you could argue, okay, so because X and one has a hump in the back, it's a copy of whatever mouse has the hump in the back, maybe S2 or whatsoever. However, X and one, it has a super low button height in the front, so it grips completely different. And um, it also has different curvatures and, you know, like a clone would be if it's just like an S2. So um, for coming up with something new i think small changes can have a big impact but i think for most mice it's pretty obvious if it's a clone <laughs> yeah i mean you you never really see like uh, i i think in the market you rarely see something where it's like a 90 percent clone but they actually try to make it better that you they just i mean the funny thing about the clones is they always try to make it look different but still feel the same in the hand they don't try to you know create a bit new curvature everything so i think that is a bit um the bad thing about it but that's just how it is i mean uh yeah the mouse market probably will not change in the next year so we'll probably see more more clones coming <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, as Sokol mentioned, we talked about this in the clone episode already, that yeah, clone is sort of like a, it's a weird word in terms of how people describe <clears throat> that something is a clone of something. I mean, I've heard people clone uh, call the Razor Viper, for example, a FK2, FK1 clone, and it doesn't feel exactly like either one of those in hand. So I agree with that, yeah. So yeah, I, I think people use the word clone a little bit uh, too much in wrong places sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I, like clone is really like a blatant copy. Um, but yeah. I mean, some of the <laughs> clones, if you look in the price list of the Chinese vendors, they're even called the same as the original. So then you can yeah. kind of, <laughs> kind of guess, uh, what uh, <laughs> what mouse you, you are talking about. And I mean, like when you talk about cloning, also I think build quality also for product plays a big part. And most of the clones are pretty crappy. Yeah. And I, I, but what I think they do is like usually when they send out review samples, they send it a good one, and the customers that buy it, they usually get the crap. So <laughs> yeah, I can I can attest to that. <laughs> this is a very common uh, method for a lot of uh, like it's called golden sampling. <laughs> so they basically uh, do that and or even change hardware inside or like parts of the uh, that that are used. I mean, there's some clone mice, basically, you order it and you don't even know which MCU is inside. You just get whatever they currently have in stock or what's cheapest. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump to the next question. So uh, here is the sort of the second most upvoted, I guess. Uh, QHC Mobile asks, do you, do you see either ambidextrous shapes or ergonomic shapes as inherently superior or is neither inherently superior? Um, I think it's, remembering from my Counter-Strike days, I think it was kind of split, like some people liked ambidextrous shapes more, others liked ergonomic shapes more. Um, I wouldn't say either of them is superior, to be honest. I think whatever feels best for you, whatever you aim best with, that's what you should go, uh, what you should go for. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say either is better for aiming. Personal preference ambidex but yeah would would you say that it's um maybe it's it's different when it comes to certain grip styles like palm grip better um with ergo or claw grip uh, yeah that yeah i think yeah i think um of course if you're palm gripper probably uh um, ergo mice are a bit more appealing to you than if you are your claw gripper with an ergo mouse, but uh, it's very hard to exclude. It really depends how you grip the mouse. Um, and yeah, as I said, I wouldn't. I, I mean, the one advantage you have with an ergo mouse is that if it really fits your hand, it doesn't. You know, um, you can kind of like fully grip it in a sense uh, with with palm grip. Whereas if you have an ambidextrous mouse one of the sides will always feel a bit off. That's not as much a problem for claw grip, though. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah. Um, uh, what, uh, let's continue with the, this a little bit, like mm -hmm. a quickly a little bit more. So yeah. do you think like preference, how how how, do, how does one build preference? I mean, if the first mouse, mouse you have tried ever is ambidextrous and uh, you've used ambidextrous mouse for about two years and you're sort of, you know, short fuse so if you if you start using an ergo <laughs> mouse you, you won't feel good for the first week or first few days and then you play a game of cs you know you get 
you don't get many kills and you start raging. So yeah. you're basically done using Ergomize after that. Uh, yeah, I would say that a lot of, uh, I, I think a lot of uh, trying mice can be also uh, how, how well your shape is that day, or how, how well you're in shape the day, like, or maybe also how lucky you are sometimes. Um, it's hard. I think to get used to a shape, it takes at least a couple of days, depending on how much you play or how easy you are to, uh, it is for you to adapt to newer shapes. Um, yeah, it's, there's different metrics, you know, like some people want a very comfortable mouse, then probably an ergo mouse is better, right? Could be, or could be better. Or some people say, I want the mouse that I aim best with. So comfort takes a bit of the, you know, backseat and you take whatever you, uh, you want to use there. Or, I mean, it, it's yeah it's it's very much to personal preference i wouldn't tell anybody who really likes ergonomic mice to um you know to say switch to ambidextrous you will play a lot better um because that's simply not true i mean some people play insanely good with ergonomize others with ambidex mice yeah yeah, I mean, the, you made some, you made a good point there. So basically, I mean, you you used to be a professional player, same as I. So basically, what we what we needed to do when we play a lot, and I mean, anybody that plays on a high level, you know, you have to use your brain quite a lot, quite a lot, of course, when you play on yeah. the highest level. So, so I think for any kind of like who wants to play on high tier, who wants to play on the against the best 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 players, you know, you have, I think, you have to have some 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 comfort because I can I can I know that when I I can aim better with some some mice that are really uncomfortable in for yeah. example in aim turns or CSDM but then I can only focus on aiming I don't need to focus on anything else yeah. when I go hop onto a like a real high tier game I need to start predicting where the enemies are gonna come I need to predict what they're gonna do in the next round it starts to go bad because uh, when I'm playing with an uncomfortable mouse I'm sort of always thinking thinking how I'm gripping yeah. it and stuff like that. So I think one thing I could say is that I think you play better with a mouse that's too small for you uh, than with a mouse that's uh, or that's too big for you. You know, if the mouse is too big for you, I think that is always a kind of, um, yeah, that's always kind of a hindrance because it will just probably put a lot of strain on your hand, um, like holding it. But yeah. That is true for both ambidex and ergo, but also yeah. super small. I mean, super small mice sometimes are good for aiming, but like you have to really, um, like if you take a super small mouse, you have to really like grip it very specifically. And if you do that for half an hour, uh, you want to, you know, probably cut off your arm because that's so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, like that's my personal preference. If I use small mice. And I play for an hour, my hand really starts to hurt. Um, and for big mice, it just feels like a bit clunky, like if, if the mouse is too too large. So with a small mouse, at least I can still aim. But if the mouse is too too big, it kind of gets a bit, um, yeah, like swimmy kind of, where your aim is a bit bad. Yeah, that's kind of my experience. Yeah, yeah I mean, I can definitely 
relate to that. Um, when I'm using a, a mouse that is too small, um, I'm basically constantly trying to readjust my grip. Uh, I'm just not really sure how to best grip it because it's just so small that I can grip it in, I don't know, thousands of ways. And basically I'm, I'm just second guessing my grip instead of really focusing on, on the game. And with a mouse that is too large, it's just unwieldy. Uh, I mean, it's pretty clear how to grip it, but uh, there is not the, you know, um, not the capability for finer adjustments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next question. So Zyler1 asked, asked this one. Uh, he says, we all love the, love the XM1R, and for me it's almost perfect. Wireless would be a banger. Uh, which compromises you are, are you the most unsatisfied about, but were necessary to create the mouse? Mm, well, uh, well, compromise is a strong word. Um, I think that one of the things, if I could change it, um, and uh, then I would, is probably... Um, when we designed the mouse, we basically said, okay, we want to, or we also needed to have an RGB version at some point. So we designed the tooling of the bottom shell in a way that it basically has a replaceable inlay. So you can basically share the top shell between the RGB mouse and the, um, the non-RGB version that we launched first. And basically this added some weight. Um, also for the non-RGB mouse, which we could have taken out um, simply for light routing and everything. So this was kind of, um, I think, the if, like the big compromise, uh, like was the question, right? So this was probably the biggest compromise. Um, if, if you would ask, okay, what would have been done differently? Uh, yeah. I don't think so much. I think the shape is actually quite solid, I would say, and build quality would be okay. But um, yeah, we could for sure have reached, I would say, 60 to 65 grams without much compromise to that. But we were very um, careful in the approach also with the PCBA thickness and tolerances and wall thicknesses because if you launch your first product and you have a lot of build quality problems that's really uh, that's really um, not the greatest thing all right all right how many compromises do you think thermal take maybe their recent mice <laughs> yeah it's just one big compromise <laughs> uh yeah. So, all right, all right. Yeah. All right. right. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a second part to the question. Okay, I couldn't get the switches of your dream because of distribution issues. Um, talking about switches, uh, I think, oh, actually, there's a question about switches later. I'll come back to that uh, later then. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, was yeah. the example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, good. do you have something about Yeah, the next question from Reaper05. Because Reaper05 um, wants to know, um, what is your opinion on sensor positions? And more specifically, the theory that the sensor should be forward and to the left directly 
under the index finger. Because, um, I mean, I've been wondering uh, about that as well. I mean, if we look at the mouse market, like, I don't know, 90% or, or 95%, mm. it's centered. And we have studios which like to place it a bit lower uh, historically. And yeah, the, the odd forward uh, sensor placement mouse. Uh, and yeah. that's pretty much it. So um, yeah, what, what's your take? Okay, basically, um, one of the main reasons uh, the sensor is mostly in the middle is because it fits there. In the front, you have the cable coming in, you have the main switches, wheel switch, the wheel itself, wheel encoder. So there's not really a lot of room to build. And you also, the sensor has 16 pins, so there needs to be a lot of routing around it as well. So this would probably enlarge the whole PCBA. Um, I recall, I think there was one mouse, was like kind of a pen mouse from a Japanese company that had like a the sensor position like weirdly put out in the front somehow. I think it was a Philips sensor because these were rather small, but already a ton of years ago. Um, I think there was also, I don't know which one Logitech it was, but it was right at the front. I don't know. Um, was it a gaming mouse? Yeah, I think. I think. Um, just... Yeah. Looking. Okay. To answer the question from okay. <laughs> yeah, G five hundred S. Yeah, and okay. almost right at the front. Yeah, I think for yeah for wireless mice it's probably easier to do it. Um, in my mind, I think the best sensor position is between your your main grip fingers, like um like kind of like between your thumb and um like on on the on the height where you grip with the mouse with your thumb. I think this is kind of like the accepted position. By most people, it has been this way, and there might be a better option somewhat, but I wouldn't be willing to risk a complete redesign of the mouse just for trying it out. Um, I think the upside would not be worth the trial. Um, yeah, but I feel that, uh, like, like next in what R, it's almost that center, the optical center. Um, and I think this is uh, pretty much the way to go, which we will also continue doing on future products. Yeah. Because I it's mean, simply it... widely accepted. Yeah, isn't it, in the XMR, isn't it slightly forward? Uh, like, I think most people prefer these slightly forward sensor positions, at least from enthusiasts. Um... I think well, it's slightly forward. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually need to check that. Um, the, basically, the, the, the middle of the sensor is not the optical center of the sensor. So uh, this is uh, yeah, yeah. like a millimeter off or something. Um, but yeah, it's. I think a millimeter up or down won't make uh, a huge difference in most cases. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, in theory, it, it, it's um, often brought up that a more forward uh, position sensor should be better, um, at least for wrist uh, motion, because the the arc is, is wider the more forward the sensor is. But well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you could. I mean, you when could I'm argue using, that. yeah. I mean, when I'm using uh, mice with that sort of sensor position. I don't know, it just feels weird. Um, not in a bad way, but just really difficult to get yeah. used to it. I, I, I mean, 
let me ask ping the question back okay when do you use wrist movements right then you want precision why would you want it to be faster i mean it, to me this doesn't really sound like something yeah i mean it, there are it, a couple of extreme wrist players which uh, okay yeah, yeah in, in, in this case it can make sense but you would probably get a similar effect when you just used higher cpi so yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that you get a uh, water arc of motion while retaining the same sort of, you know, lower sensitivity precision. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, always brought up as a, as a theory. I'm undecided myself. Yeah, probably we can build a Franken mouse at some point yeah. and try it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, uh, definitely something that is somewhat possible but uh, i'm i'm not sure this would be something that I, I what i'm sure about is if people try this mouse first their aim would be completely off <laughs> so yeah. this is for sure something to get used to um yeah i'm not sure of the upside to be honest uh, yeah i mean for me i've, I've tested many mice that have like a little bit forward sensor position more forward sensor position and even steel series mice that have like they're more towards the back, and it's it's pretty much only about the like the adaptation period. After that, it feels just the same as any other. So I don't I don't think like there is massive uh, like a I don't think I don't think as like a sen better forward sensor position will improve your performance. It doesn't matter what kind of grip or how much wrist uh, you you use to aim. It's just a matter of what you're used to, and uh, I don't think adjusting to a more forward sensor position will necessarily help. But I don't know. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I'm not also also not sure. I mean, you would have to look a bit in how people actually lift the mouse, uh, how yeah, how the tracking would work. Like if you lift it first in the front, like or basically, um, one reason also putting it for putting it in the middle was like the middle is kind of like always because if it's in the middle you it's always at the point where you really lift the mouse when it's in the air whereas if it's in the front like if you make a front adjustment you might suddenly end up with not tracking anymore you know like some people they just want to reposition the mouse in the front and uh, it's yeah tricky question i i would go with the safe route yeah yeah, yeah actually the the lifting argument uh, i think it's really good i hadn't thought about that because yeah, um, basically, depending on where, like the the, I don't know the weight, um, the the highest weight of the mouse is basically, right? <laughs> don't know the term. Um, it, it could be better or worse to have it more forward or more backwards. But basically, if it's centered, then. Uh, in most cases, uh, front and back will be lifted equally when, when picking up the mouse. Probably the best would be having one sensor in the front and one in the back. <laughs> yeah, EVGA style. Yeah, yeah EVGA X17. No, wasn't the first one, what was it called? Uh, Epic Gear was the first one Epic with two Gear, sensors. Yeah, Epic Gear. <laughs> they, they had uh, one laser and one optical sensor, but um, they had, I think they had even three modes. Like one mode was optical only, one was laser, and one was like a combined mode. It never caught on probably also because of the cost to integrate that. And also because 
the sensors basically don't communicate by themselves. You have to mix whatever input you get in the firmware. And yeah, that's tricky. If they could work together on a sensor level, then it could make sense. But because one sensor doesn't know what the other sensor sees or does, that makes it a bit pointless. Yeah, I wasn't really convinced by the X17 either. I mean, I reviewed it a couple of months ago, and I think it had three LOD sensors, and yeah, didn't really, really? make. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, or they, even they, more. I, I can't for, recall. For, for LOD, they, they. Yeah, yeah. They they had 3389, and I think three. LOD sensors. Let me check. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, okay, yeah. it's always something you can do. You can add a lot of sensors to a mouse. Uh, I mean, in most cases, if people feel the lift of the sensor is too high, just add a millimeter of skates or something. Um, <laughs> way back in the day, I think uh, most people, they just put the hyperglides or whatever there was directly on their mouse feet and didn't replace yeah. them. And it still worked because lift of distance used to be super high back in the day or more like three to, I would say three to four millimeters maybe even, and it wasn't a problem. So yeah, I, if if the lift of distance is too high, I would probably look rather into getting a bit thicker skates, even though it changes the shape a bit, um, rather than trying to add a ton of sensors into <laughs> the mouse, which probably cost the customer more than it brings in benefit but the marketing team was all over it <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely uh, it's <laughs> world's best LOD. yeah 